Welcome to Around and Around the OCD Circle. My name is Elizabeth, and I have been living with obsessive compulsive disorder for over 60 years. I am not a therapist or a member of the medical community. I am just an ordinary person like yourself who will be sharing my thoughts and experiences with you with the hope that you will feel less alone. If you don't have OCD, I hope you will learn some information that will help you understand this disorder better. Some of the topics I will be covering may be triggering for you as a listener. If so, I apologize in advance. Since I don't know what your triggers are, please refer to the episode summary in the show notes before listening to each episode. If at any time you feel like hurting yourself or ending your life, please, please call the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988 if you are in the United States. It is open 24 hours a day and you will be connected with the nearest crisis center to receive immediate counseling and local mental health referrals. Now, on to today's episode. Hi, welcome back to my podcast, Around and Around the OCD Circle. My name is Elizabeth. I am so glad you found your way over here. I wanted to remind you before I start today's episode that you can always contact me at Around and Around the OCD Circle at yahoo.com. I'd love to get to know you. You can let me know a little bit about your OCD if you'd like. Ask me any questions. If you have any suggestions on topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, just let me know. You can also find information on my TikTok. I also have a Twitter and an Instagram. And I plan on opening a Facebook page pretty soon. Also, I want to remind you that I'm not a therapist. I have no medical background. I'm just an ordinary person like yourself who has had OCD for 61 years. And I'm just here to share my story with you, tell you some of my struggles, some of my successes. And I hope you learned something from it. And I'm going to go ahead and talk today about rituals and cognitive behavioral therapy. I was wondering, how do you know when it's time to see a therapist? Or when to address an issue with your therapist? Do you go to a therapist when the rituals first start? Or the symptoms first start? Or do you give it a while and see if it goes away? I have had the same therapist for over 20 years and you might think, wow, that's an extremely long time. If you still have to see her, she must not be helping. But in my case, that's simply not true. My therapist is highly trained in OCD and she and I do cognitive behavior therapy, which is also called CBT. And the therapist that I saw before her, I had seen for almost 11 years continuously. And when I would speak to her, she'd smile, she'd nod, and she'd always agree with me. And I would leave the sessions feeling, you know, pretty good about myself, I guess, but I never really had any answers. But my current therapist is not that way. She listens, and then she gives me two or three choices. And if one choice doesn't work, I try a next one and so on. And she's helped me overcome many rituals in the past 20 years. I currently only see her on an as-needed basis because things do come up, but mostly I've learned how to do CBT on my own. My therapist is going to be retiring in a few years, and I'm really nervous about that, but in my gut I know that I can make it without her help. Um, For now, she's there if I need her, 
and typically I call her maybe once every two months or so. I first noticed rituals about 25 years ago. My friend and I were walking at the local college and she asked me, she says, why do you always step on cracks in the sidewalk? And I'd really never noticed this before. And sure enough, I was stepping on every crack, even backtracking and sometimes losing my balance to step on a crack that I'd missed. And she kept teasing me and I became very self-conscious about it. So I purposely started avoiding the cracks. And this caused me a lot of anxiety, but I kept trying to do it. And before you knew it, I was not only stepping in between the cracks, but I was also avoiding edges of rugs and shadows. And when I would push my cart through the grocery store, for instance, I was stepping in the middle of these large tiles on the floor. And if I touched a crack or an edge or a shadow, I had to go back in order for it to feel right and not cause me anxiety. And people started to notice this and it was very embarrassing. And even when I was driving, my eyes would hit over the lines in the pavement on city streets and on the freeway. And I knew this was dangerous because I was not watching cars around me. But fast forward about 10 years of this, I had the worst panic attack I think I've ever had in my life. Um, my partner at the time, she's now my wife, we went to Vegas with some friends to have a commitment ceremony. It was March of 2009 and same-sex marriage was not legal in the United States. And we were at the food court in the back of Caesar's Palace. I hate casinos because of the dizzying carpets. They're geometric patterned. They're laid down. They're, I think they do this intentionally to draw attention away from the floor so that the people will be forced to look up at the slot machines and the tables. At least that's what I've heard. And I had started this panic attack outside over something that was said between my partner and my friends that had upset me. By the time we got to the food court, which is in the very back, I was shaking and I was sweating. So I excused myself to the restroom and one of our friends was inside a stall and she heard me throwing water over my head in the sink. Um, we decided it was best for me to leave Caesar's Palace and so I was going to go across the street to our hotel and I told my partner that I would go by myself but she insisted on going with me and I am so glad she did. Walking to the front of that casino was absolute torture for me. I was crying. I could barely see the floor. And we were power walking super fast. And no matter what I tried, I could not help but to walk on those patterns on the floor. There was no way to avoid those lines in that carpet. And with every step, the attack got worse and worse. And I thought I was having a heart attack. I really did. I was nauseated, I could barely breathe, and by the time we got outside on the sidewalk, I couldn't even stand up on my own. And you know Vegas, the, the air is very, very dry, but it did not help my breathing one bit. And I decided to stand in the middle of a square on the sidewalk, and I began to calm down, and my partner was holding me upright. And at this point, I believe people were starting to stare at me. I mean, they probably thought I was drunk, right? When I thought I could walk on my own, we went across the street to the hotel. I think it was the um, Pink Flamingo. And again, it started all over again with the carpet. So the panic attack started up again. 
And I remember while we were waiting for the elevator, I heard people talking about me. They were laughing. They were saying that I was drunk. You know, drunkenness is really common entertainment in Vegas. And I was so embarrassed. And I was really embarrassed for my partner. So we got up to our room and we ordered room service. And my partner told me, she says, you know, this scared the hell out of me. You know, she said she'd never, ever seen anyone have a panic attack. And I, and I told her, I said, you know, this is, I've never had one this bad before. I promise you, you know, most of mine happen in the car. I, I still get them every once in a while. I, what I'll suddenly forget how to get somewhere that I've been, you know, dozens of times before, or I'll forget how to get home from somewhere that I've been a dozen times before. And I actually usually just stop the car. I pull off the freeway and stop the car, pull over the shoulder, and I call a friend and I talk until it passes. And that usually takes about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, something like that. But anyway, when I returned home from Vegas, I told my therapist, I said, you know, you got to help me get rid of this. I, it, it doesn't feel safe anymore. I'm going to end up killing somebody or killing myself. And so we started doing cognitive behavioral therapy. And so we started with her rug and I would stand on the edge of her rug and I would, it would be about for like a minute and I would start, you know, getting anxiety and then we'd stop and I worked myself up to about five minutes over the course of, I don't know, a few weeks, a month, something like that. We also did it in the parking lot on the concrete and I practiced at home. And eventually, I stopped doing this ritual. It took about, I don't know, maybe six months or so. And I was just thinking about this the other day because I walk my dogs every day. We walk on the sidewalk and I step on cracks and I step in between the cracks and I, I don't feel any different no matter where my foot lands. So it really did work for me. The whole point of CBT is to feel the anxiety for a bit and realize that nothing terrible has happened to you. And even better, if you can throw a wrench into the ritual, you can break it. So for instance, I used to have a hand washing ritual over someone that I was obsessed with. I'm just gonna say the letter J, or that was her name, J. So as I touched each knuckle, I would say a different world, word. So I would say, God bless J right now. So each time I would hit a knuckle, I would say, God bless Jay right now. So then I would start doing, just touching four knuckles and leaving the word now off. God bless Jay right. And I would do that for several days until I didn't feel anxious anymore. And then I would take the, the last word away and hit three knuckles. God bless Jay do that for a few days then I had two knuckles God bless and then a few days later I just said God and by the time I got to like the two knuckles my anxiety was almost completely gone I would also throw a wrench into this by changing sinks after I would use the restroom instead of washing my hand in the restroom sink I'd wash it in the kitchen or if I'm in the kitchen I needed to wash my hands I go to the restroom you get the point so Try it if you're in the middle of a ritual right now. Try either changing where you do it, which sometimes you can't do, or change the way you do it. 
and then once you don't feel anxiety change it again and just keep changing it and eventually it may dissipate I hope it does I have used this approach in dozens of rituals over the years and I'm pleased to say that they have all stopped and even more than that I can tell I can notice if a ritual is get, getting ready to start and I nip it in the bud right at the beginning so that it doesn't get worse and it helps that I am currently not in the middle of an OCD spell so I'm happy to say that right now I don't perform any rituals at present I can't think of one that I do so back to my original question at the beginning when is it time to see a therapist I think for me it's when something is getting in the way of my quality of life because I believe that we are here on earth to live peacefully and free of worry and fear and when I changed therapists it was because I didn't need someone to listen and nod and agree with me that didn't do anything I needed someone to listen give me choices make me take responsibility when I screw up and my therapist does just that and I'm gonna miss her when she retires but I know she's given me the tools to make it on my own when I eventually let go of her hand so again I hope that you will continue on this journey with me learning about my life and the struggles that I've had and the successes that I've had I hope that you will share by visiting my youtube channel this podcast is going to be uploaded there if you're more comfortable with YouTube please consider subscribing to all of my accounts so that you will get current information about this podcast thank you so much for listening and I wish you well on your journey also until next time bye